Stir up thy power, and with great might come among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The place of the collect for the third Sunday of Advent has been a cause of some confusion among old-fashioned Episcopalians who were good cooks or bakers. In a somewhat different form, it was the prayer for the Sunday, the prayer book called the Sunday next before Advent. That was three weeks earlier in the year. It was also called Stir Up Sunday because that was the signal for those cakes and puddings to be prepared for the Easter, for the Christmas feast. While they might have been indispensable, they were frequently inedible. <laughs> I was, however, able to make the current place of the collect in a sermon almost 24 years to this very afternoon. My curate was off to greener pastures and a higher stipend by getting himself elected to his own parish. And I was to preach the sermon at solemn evensong and the induction of the new rector on the third Sunday of Advent in the afternoon. Stir up thy power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. It was, in fact, a beautiful church. It was built in the early 1920s in the English Gothic style, with stone and slate and very nice windows and a good ring of bells, and most important of all, a very comfortable rectory. And while I knew the building and the former rector was a good friend of mine, that's how you got jobs in the old days, you know, I didn't really know the parishioners. And when I called my former curate after his first Sunday, I asked, well, how, what kind of people were they? And he said, oh, they're very jolly. There are a lot of very elderly high church people and very dedicated to the way things always had been done. But wait till you see them. They all look like birds. I said, what do you mean? He said, stick away, I'm telling you, they look like different kinds of birds. <laughs> now, the night for the sermon arrived and I was ready to go and the church was filled with visitors and parishioners and clergy. And the first thing I saw standing in the doorway were two elderly, long, tall gentlemen, and they were obviously the storks. They were passing out <laughs> leaflets. And then I saw several old chickens, and I saw a parrot, and I saw a parakeet. And that was all before I got to the sacristy. And then I was sitting, listening to the lessons as they were read, and I was, couldn't stop this bird-watching business. <laughs> and I, I saw a bald eagle, and I saw a rooster. And so I got into the pulpit, and I, in my imagination, I could hear the fluttering of wings, you know, <laughs> and maybe a vulture over my head. 
But I thought to myself, if St. Francis could preach to the birds, so could Stickway. So off I went. <laughs> Stir up thy power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. Now, of course, I began that sermon by asking and making sure that they all had their fruitcakes already mixed and aging properly. And then, of course, the rest of the sermon was fairly obvious. The Christ child was coming, but just as important, the new rector was there. And they should be prepared to be stirred up a little and gently shaken and, uh, and well mixed. And I thought it was a clever enough sermon, and I, I picked up a few compliments on the way into the parish house after it was over. The bishop allowed it was vintage stickway, which I took that as a compliment. <laughs> and I was there in the parish hall with a glass of sherry in one hand and a Christmas cookie in the other, and I was attacked by an owl. Now, the, the, the owl didn't swoop down. It sort of lurched across the room. It was wearing a long fur coat that had seen better days and a fur hat to match. It was a round face, and she had very thick glasses on, and she had the shape of a pear. And she screeched. She said to me, were you the preacher who just compared our congregation to a fruitcake? Now, before I could defend myself by correcting her, she said that really wasn't a bad analogy. She said, we are quite a mixture here. And she said, there are nuts around. And then she went to the other obvious ingredients of a fruitcake. You know. But at any rate, she did this with great, uh, a great sense of humor and generosity. And her parting shot, she said, oh, don't worry, Father. We won't give your handsome young protege indigestion. And off she went. Stir up thy power, and with great might come among us. Whatever time of the year we say that prayer, we must be very careful when we pray it. For are we really asking God simply to put things right or in the manner in which we would like them to be? Are we asking God to free us from several constraints or just as much are we asking God somehow to get even with our opponents by shaking things up. But of course my sermon then really didn't get to the heart of that prayer. For the most important of it is in the next sentence. But if we finish it, Stir up and come among us, we say, because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy, mercy speedily deliver us. You know, I like that phrase, sorely hindered. It just rolls off my tongue. Because I am sorely hindered by many things. I'm sorely hindered by aching muscles and lower back pain. I'm sorely hindered by vision that's clouded and distorted. I am sorely hindered by vacuum-wrapped packages that I can't open. And I'm sorely hindered by a smartphone that's smarter than I. But when we say sorely hindered by our sins, 
that's another story. To see life like that takes a lot of honesty and humility. But it is the first step to Bethlehem, which is on the other side of the Jordan River. You have to meet John the Baptist first, with his baptism not of fire, but of water as a sign of repentance. And then the forgiveness is on the other side of that river. But it's a beautiful prayer because God's grace is bountiful and his mercy can speedily deliver us to Bethlehem in time and on time if we have the grace and the honesty and above all the courage to devoutly kneel upon our knees and ask for it. which is where I found the owl again. About three or four months later, I was back in that church leading a quiet day for the Episcopal Church women. And those days have a regular schedule. They all begin with mass and then a healing service, dearly beloved by elderly, elderly Episcopal Church women. And then the meditations and then the confession and evening prayer at the close of the day. And there in a side chapel off the church, the old owl was kneeling to make her confession. Now it might have been a personal confession, but it certainly wasn't private because everything she said you could hear all over the church as she screeched it out. But what she said then has become very important to me now. For she said, Father, it's my impatience. I don't listen and I don't see. I don't need a new hearing aid or stronger glasses. I don't need a healing service, she said. I need your absolution. Because in times past, I know, I know that through that absolution comes forgiveness and grace. And I know that the roadblocks that seem to be all around me, I can go through with humor and great charity. I gave the old bird her devoutly asked for absolution and a hug, and then I gave her a penitential psalm to say, it was Psalm 102, which by the way does mention a, an owl as well as a pelican in it. <laughs> but the true gifts of Christmas are that bountiful grace and mercy in the human flesh of a little boy child that brings us together in one grand and glorious mixture 
of wise men, fools, shepherds, angels, animals and birds and all the rest in one great timeless nativity scene praising him in whom the fullness of God dwells forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.